I'm getting a little feedback there. Okay, I think I'm good. It is Tuesday and it's time to talk. You know, you are tuned in to Seven Generations Black on CTN Media where we're changing the narrative and we're doing it with you. But do me a favor, share this out right now on your network, share it out, drop it in someone's DM. Go on over to YouTube, follow us at CTN Media. Make sure you super chat us up. Keep supporting independent black media. We couldn't do this without you. We're here at season three because of you. So welcome, welcome, welcome to Seven Generations Black, a podcast powered to equip and inform, clear your lens, and present you with a new perspective. With Theo E.J. Wilson, a soul, lethal, Jace Johnson, and I'm your host, Shay J. We are Seven Generations Black. Man, you guys, I'm excited about today's conversation. So that means, um, Misha, you have to share it out right now, and whoever else, you have to share it out right now, because it's going to get good. So share this out. I think I'm most excited because I'm sitting here with an um, amazing group of Black men, and as we enter this conversation, I think it's a conversation that can bridge some gaps and really just bring some peace among all the things we're going through. You know, as soon as we got into this conversation, I have to go to one of my favorite quotes, of course. The most disrespected person in America is the black woman. The most unprotected person in America is the black woman. The most neglected person in America is the black woman. Malcolm X said it best. So today we're going to talk about protecting the black woman. And before I do that, let me hit you with the red pill alert. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. This is your opportunity to stop listening and tune out now. Well, if you do, the story ends. And you wake up in your bed and believe whatever it is you want to believe. However, if you take this seven generations red pill, you stay here with us in a liberatory discussion and we show you just how deep the rabbit hole goes. The choice, as always, is yours. Welcome to Seven Generations Black Family. Share this out on your network. Let's get ready for this liberatory discussion with my guy from Shock Talk Live, the one and only Theo E.J. Wilson. Hey, the Honorable Protector Initiative. He doesn't just have t-shirts, he has sweatshirts. I love it. Lethal, what's up, bro? I see that. The black man, no, the black woman is the black man's responsibility. Oh, I like that. We need that shirt. The Righteous Rage Institute, the one and only H-Soul. I see you vacationing and living your best life per usual. We see you. I'm working. The Black Business Initiative, the one and only Jice Johnson, holding it down for the ladies. And it's time to have some uh, some very much needed discussion. Um, I'm excited about this because I think this conversation is one that most people can really resonate with. So when we talk about the Black woman being the most disrespected person to ever walk on this earth, um, not only because of the external forces but often th that are often against her, but sometimes from the internal forces. And sometimes those forces include the black man. The black woman, and I love this because a black man wrote this, the black woman does not deserve our protection. She is entitled to it. The black woman does not deserve our defense, yet she is entitled to it. You know, a lot of black women, when we think about how we walk out, we walk out with our full armor. We, all, we walk out ready for war. And a lot of times we walk out thinking we're by ourselves. So this conversation, I think, is going to shed some light of the position of protecting black women. I'm going to kick this off to my panel. H-Soul, uh, 
when you think about when you hear protect black women, what even comes to your mind? What does that say to you? And um, how does that resonate? I'm gonna be very honest with you here. Um, I think because there's such a, a push around this narrative, I, I, there's a part of me that is suspicious of the of the whole campaign around it, to be honest with you, in that it feels divisive at point, in that, yes, I, I absolutely agree that 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 the black woman is is oppressed. I think she I think she suffers from triple oppression. I think, however, it we all we have to be careful at who's trying to divide black people into into gender, right? Because someone could say, or it could be said that there are more black men in prison, and there are more black men that are killed by the police. So, who's protect? Like, where's the message around? In that sense, it, it wouldn't it wouldn't follow. So, I think that we have to be concerned that white feminism isn't trying to sneak mm -hmm. in and once again trying to divide the black community in any way possible uh, while at the same time i have four daughters and i absolutely understand uh the need to uh, uh protect them in any way uh possible and by all means necessary i just think that we should be very mindful of the rhetoric around mm -hmm. uh that that can surface in uh, in it even almost uh, you almost heard it in in the intro like the black woman is you know even even the black man uh, right like we have to be mindful and contextualize those those type of uh, conversations lest our enemies who are listening in at all times grab hold of it and use it as a divisive uh, instrument against us against each other. That's good. I think you hit on um, something that was key, and it, it was that feminism piece. I think that they've been, you know, it's been used, and sometimes messaging, you're right, is used to be divisive, especially amongst the cultural. We need nothing more than to come together. Um, I would love to hear that too, Jace, from your perspective. I know that's one thing we talk about, not subscribing to that feminism and, and that whole thought process and what it looks like. What do you want to hear, Jace, when you hear protect black women? And um, what's the side that we say that, you know, about the feminism piece and how that doesn't fit in with being a black woman? I don't know if I was ready for that question. Um, so, <laughs> so, you know, I think, um, to, to be clear about my position on a lot of things, I don't subscribe to several sections of like, you know, the idea of like intersectionality um, in a certain sense, you know, at the end of the day, do I recognize that there is uh, a disparity between men and women? Yes. Um, do I, you know, and do I understand like there are disparities between, um, you know, black people, white people? Yes. Right. I, I look at it as like, I'm black first because my mom and my daddy was black. So it didn't matter what, gender I was going to come out as like I was going to be black right so that's kind of the idea of, of black first be one you know some some of us are using that hashtag be one um and so from that perspective you know I I always struggle and I this is another space that I rarely uh voice my opinion because uh, I don't feel like this is a good place for me to have my you know I don't feel like this is a good place for my energy to go into to defend uh you know women who are sticking up for women right um 
in that sense. And I understand the need for that. My fight is, you know, for us as a black community on, on behalf of all of us. So then when we get into that space, what I see, and and I want to kind of rationalize this because on the one hand, whenever there's an imbalance in one way, it's like you've got to weight the other side down so much just to try and get things back to kind of an equilibrium. For me, that's frustrating when it comes to the black community because we have so many different issues that I don't like to have black men and black women pit against each other to say who has it worse, right? Because at the end yeah. of the day, we all have it bad. And it's the way in which our paradigms are shaped and the way that we see ourselves in the world that determine what that looks like. Is it worse for a black woman to be raped or is it worse for a black man to be raped? I'm not mm -hmm. sure what that looks like. Is it worse for a black woman to be raped by a man or a black man to be raped by a man? There, I feel like there's different levels to like how that trauma, um, you know, like comes out, right? And and that, and we know that we carry that trauma intergenerationally from, you know, from um, shadow slavery. So I feel like we try to, uh, I call it like the low hanging fruit, where instead of us going after the systems, instead of us going after violent white racists, instead of us going after these things that ultimately harm us as a unit and as a whole, we don't often see ourselves as a unit and as a whole. So we start separating ourselves by all types of things, light skin, dark skin, adult, old, young, black white i mean uh you know male female all these things right so when so to me it starts to become so many areas of intersectionality that i'm like look i'm just black and i'm trying to fight for us as black folks <laughs> that being said um you know it is frustrating at times from a perspective of a woman and recognizing the balance that you have to play on so many levels uh yeah. when i walk in and i walk in as a ceo or i walk in as a boss or i walk in as whatever right even when i'm amongst black men there is a dynamic that gets or a a, a stereotype that gets placed on me a dynamic that gets yes. placed on me uh you know there's language that gets placed on me and i think we do it to each other so that's not to point the finger at black men i think there's an we talked about internalized racism and internalized yeah. hatred that we have towards ourselves. And so I think that that plays a vital role in the relationship that black women and black men have to each other. And I think that there's a space that not only do black men dump on black women, but black women dump on black women. Absolutely. Um, you know, I'm looking at a comment right now. It says black women are so independent, and undeniably strong. Do we really need black men or any other men to protect us? And I think you're right. You know, when we walk in, in a room as a CEO and you walk in a room as a black, you know, a black boss, there's already things that go with that. Theo, when you start to think about a structure, you hear a question like that. And, you know, you being a, a man that's always been the man that walks the woman to the car and makes sure, you know, we're, we're safe and those things. What do you see in that representation of black women being independent? And <laughs> do you, you know, do we need your protection? Like, what, what do you see when you hear that? And is it because we're so wounded or what does that look like to you? I'll tell you what it looks like for me. The last fight I got into was in defense of a black woman. I broke a dude up, period. The last two prior to that physical confrontations that I was about to get into on the streets were in defense of black women. None of them were family. None of them were lovers. It's just what it was. So election night 2018, chick's ex-boyfriend is in there, gets drunk. Now this is post TED Talks. I got CNN interviews out here. That don't matter in the moment, you know what I'm saying? Like in the moment, Shorty was in danger and I put hands on this dude and he didn't even get a lick in. I knocked him into security because they knew that he was bugging, you feel me? So when it comes down to it, um, any woman under in my physical like like vicinity has my physical protection, period. Don't matter, all right? Um, my homies is like that. If 
if look, if I'm with soul and motherfuckers walk up with beef, well, they got beef with me too. That's that. See what I'm saying? So I think existentially, black women feel the militarily, uh, the military emasculation of the black man and the consequences of it. We were militarily emasculated through the um, middle passage and the shit that happened to us. You see what I'm saying? And there are consequences to that. One of the consequences is that that natural role that women are supposed to feel from their man, they don't feel from us because we took the brunt end of violent white supremacy, violent white racism. Uh, with that being said, brothers have reconstituted their nuts again and again and again. Throughout history, we have reconstructed our military infrastructure. And we're doing it again. And people may not look. I, we, we, we're going to have a conversation later. But the fact is that we're rebuilding our force. Every new generation of man feels this call. And um, I think also black women are asking for protection from our darkest selves. Like they're asking protection from men who are not in control of their own violence, their own lust, yeah. their own deception, their own immaturity. You see what I'm saying? I think, I think intimately uh, women are asking for that from black men, which is um, ask that I hear women of all, you know what I'm saying, races asking of men to just fucking mature and get some self mastery. And so I think when we handle that internal piece, black women will feel more protected in general. But if I'm in the presence of a black woman, she's protected against whatever. And I backed it up and I'll do it again. Man, thank you for that, Theo. Um, when I when I started thinking about what you're saying, sometimes it is our own enemy within our own household that we're trying to protect ourselves from, and some of the um, displaced aggressions of black men. Lisa, when you think about that, the, dis uh, the displaced aggressions of black men and how it affects black women, does that is that where the issue comes in and feeling like we needed to we need to be protected, or feeling like you guys should be protecting us? What does that conversation piece play out for you? So first. Um I'm not wearing this shirt for no reason. There's a reason. I live by this. Um, I project a spirit of protection over black women in my family, in my circle, whether they are in my presence or not. Because it's about how you, uh, as a black woman, walk, talk, and carry yourself, right? That lets uh, a black male, I'm not, y'all won't hear me say black man when we're not talking about a man. Mm -hmm. right? We're talking about males, okay? And and I don't know what it's going to take for us to start making that distinction and being deliberate in in calling that out. The difference between a male and a man. But I'm talking about males, right? Because a man don't do the kind of things we're talking about, right? Um, so I project this spirit of protection. Whether you are with me or not with me, you know. You know, I would like to think and believe that Jais know that even though she's in Denver, you understand what I'm saying? Um, that I project the spirit of protection over her and she knows that she can talk a certain way, talk a certain way. Same thing for you, Shay. Same thing, same thing for, for anybody. You know what I mean? Any black woman, black woman, you understand what I'm saying? I'm not talking about black females, I'm yeah. talking about women. <laughs> I want to be clear on that distinction too. You understand what I'm saying? Um, so, you know. The displaced anger of black men, I think we do a disservice to black men, black males, black dudes, black guys, however you want to call it, when we attempt to deconstruct 
and hold a being responsible for being a certain way when we don't take the time to first attempt to understand their childhood and where they came from and how they got to the point to where they are today. Nobody just wakes up and says, you know what, this is who I'm gonna be and goes out there and that's who they are, right? We're skipping those developmental years, in my opinion. And if we want to see a change going forward for our generations, for our generations and generational perspective, right? I think we have to start having a conversation about what it is that we're doing as a people to our children. Because I'm a grandfather. So I really don't care about a grown ass man doing something and conducting himself a certain way. What I care about is how my grandsons are going to conduct themselves when they get to my standards, my standards. You know, I, I think the, the go ahead, Jess. I'm sorry. No, I was gonna, I wanted to like circle back around to something that H kind of started off with, which is around the propaganda also. Because I think that's something like, there's certainly something to the numbers. And I think the numbers, you know, probably bode out for the way that they do when it comes to, you know, violence against each other, um, like physical violence against each other. You know, you're violent towards people oftentimes that you were in most connection with, close contact with, close quarters with, right? So, you know, the idea that black women are, are harmed more by black men is, would probably, you know, be the yeah, same course, yeah. white men and, you know what I'm saying? Because that's who you're around, right? So I think that we tend to have this idea and take things out of context. And in that space, not just, I mean, I think that our relationship between black men and black women is severely damaged. I do believe that. And I believe that there's a lot of work that needs to be done in that space. I do believe that the dynamics between black men and black women leave women at the bottom of the, that two position versus side by side as we should walk because we are both powerful in our, in our own rights and in our own senses. But I also believe that this narrative that is being painted right now is a similar narrative to the idea of black on black crime and is a similar narrative to you know this perpetuation of uh of of a stereotype that gets put out there in a sense where you know and it and it is frustrating like i'll be first y'all know i will be real quick to talk about black men and becky i talk about it all the time i have no problem with that and it is what it is and i feel how i feel and i'm not changing that however you know there is the statistic that shows that more black men marry black women than there are marrying becky's right and i think we have to talk about where the trends are going right the trends are showing a shift in that but by all means if you know you meet 10 black men eight of them are going to be with a, a black woman right and we should acknowledge that maybe not here in denver but somewhere <laughs> in the world <laughs> Here in DC. Somewhere in a magical world. That's where I need to be, is in DC, where shop is. But, but, you know, ultimately, my point is that this is a space where we are putting out, you know, or or I think is, is, a, is a conversation that gets projected as though, you know, um, that, that Black men are not ultimately down for Black women. And I don't think that the actual statistics bode that out. What I think happens is, is that media perpetuates this ugly conversation to continue to drive this divide and drive this split. And I think that if we can, def we can actually start to pull out uh, what's happening in, um, you know, in that space, then we can start to heal the relationship between black men and black women, because there is healing that is absolutely needed. But I don't think that it's to this point where, you know, black women are just completely tossed aside by black men. Like, I just don't know black men that are in that space. Right. 
So I think that it's important to say this real quick. And I put my finger on what the hey, problem Amsterdam. is. Hey, Amsterdam. Shout out to Amsterdam. <laughs> the, the conversation that, the, the problem that I'm having with this conversation is the same, uh, is what Neely Fuller uh, warned us of, which is that we're seeking to have this conversation mm. like we are free people. Right. We're seeking to have this conversation as if we're not on the plantation. We're seeking to have this conversation as if we are dealing with two autonomous or free right. free beings. We're not. We're not having the conversation like that. And so when you talk about does a black man, how many times did black men have to watch black women get beat on the plantation? And vice versa. How many times we are still... The only reason it's the it's it's the same it's a it's a corrupt way for us to even begin to engage this conversation unless we first admit that we're not a free people sociologically speaking we're not and so we can't get compared our marriages to free people's marriages we can't compare our upraising of our children to the way that white people who are free and operate free in the society and this is what neely fuller constantly reminds us of in the comp in the compensatory codes and so in order for us to stay on code we have to frame this conversation uh in this in this manner what institutions are in place that prohibit the black man from protecting the black woman in the way oh. a free man would protect a free a free black woman that's oh. the way we should be having this conversation and when i hear someone saying oh and i think that's oh. a great point too so because we say oh what does that look like to build a solution now from two people not being free and being in a space that they don't even know how to properly love one another on our own terms. How do we get to a space that is really beneficiary for black people? So there's a sister out there um, who recently penned a book called Black Women, Black Love, right? Um, she's a professor, um, African studies. Her name is Diane M. Stewart, free plug for her. Um, she basically points out and talks to what uh, Dr. Claude Anderson has been talking about, which is financial, economic growth and independence. We have to start and begin to leverage the power that we have as a people from a financial, economic perspective, because I said it before and I will say it again, right? This is a country built on free market capitalism. This country does not care. It has demonstrated it throughout its history, throughout its existence, throughout the fact that, you know, it made us as humans, the original people, uh, their slaves, right? It doesn't care about that emotion, emotional side of the house of humanity. What it cares about is capitalism, making money and the only color that's of real importance is green because they will crap on their own for that green and until we get to a point in place in time where we are accepting of this reality and we learn to practice group economics and and and, and from group economics jump into group politics and keep blowing up the steps that, that Dr. Claude Anderson lays out, you know, 
I mean, we're going to continue to have these conversations generations and generations to come. And it's, that's what it boils down to. You have to have money because money is what equates to power in this society. That's just the bottom line. You know, I think that this is like, this is how we show you how deep the rabbit hole goes because it just goes that deep. Um, when I started thinking about too on the side of, you know, we, we talk, we don't talk a lot about what's going on in the entertainment side, but I think a recent, um, a recent transaction that happened between two black artists was very prevalent because it did bring up this narrative. See, I see you, Theo, you know I'm coming to you next. <laughs> about protecting black women. It brought up this whole thing and about believing the black woman. So that was one of the big things when we talk about what the narrative was about protecting black women. It was, you gotta believe the black woman. Even when we talk about maternal, when they're maternal, maternal, why can't I get that word out? Maternal, even when they're going and going through the procedures, everybody says the black woman's not in that much pain and the black woman dies. You know, when we look at domestic violence, they say the black woman, they come to the house, they do a little check, and then the black woman's dead 24 hours later. There's so many things when they say about believing the black woman. An incident that just happened in Hollywood where we had Meg the Stallion and Tory Lanez, where he supposedly shot her. And then it became this thing of the rallies against half the black people were saying, just protect black women and believe black women. And then the other people were saying, you have to ask him, did he even do it before you convict him? Um, once again, it put us against each other. And when we're in the highest highlight, we know in mass media, that's when they're watching us the most. Theo, when we looked at that situation, how do we handle something like that? How do we get a grasp on that? Um, what, what does that look like? Because, you know, there's a lot of young people that are looking at that situation and then drawing conclusions from that on how do we believe the black woman? Do we protect the black woman? Do we ask the black man, you know, how does he feel? Do we put them in one room? What do we do? Well, I think that even in this broken criminal justice system, you have an investigation, first and foremost. Even in this broken criminal justice system, you have the defense, you have the prosecution, and you have a judge, right? You have both sides, and then you have the arbiter of the truth. So ask questions. Um, just believing anyone, I understand the cultural push behind that to counterbalance the fact that women, Black women specifically, have not been believed. You see what I'm saying? Hella not been believed. So I get that, which is why I don't rebel against that narrative. But when it comes to the rubber meeting the road, we must ask hard questions of everybody. Um, I feel like when it comes to uh, this really leads back to what uh, Soul was saying. Uh, I believe the Neely Fuller quote was it. Uh, you just context, context, context. You know, a chicken in a natural habitat when it's wild and free doesn't peck at its fellow chickens. Only when you put it in the pen does it become actual uh, bane of the existence of the chicken next to it, right? Same with pigs. Wild hogs don't have the same problems as slaughter cows, as slaughter pigs do. You see what I'm saying? Uh, it's all because of the environment. And I think that I try to diet my media very well. I try to not like, if the, I got to be careful what I say simply because I got so many followers and I can take everything I say out of context before you know what I'm getting called from a university. Talking about, so uh, we saw what you said and uh, we don't think, you see what I'm saying? So I have yeah. to always be careful of, of that kind of stuff. Um, what comes down to it is that um, I'm going to tell a real fucked up truth right now, okay? Because I've tried to intervene in domestic situations before taking up the mantle of a black man defending his community. I've done it. I've done it. And there ain't much you can do if the woman ain't ready to stand up and take her own shit like in, in, in leave. There's almost nothing you can do. You could even beat his ass. 
you can beat that cat to a pulp. And when he's in the hospital, she'll get it. She'll get a text from him and she will run to his side if she's not through with this toxic ass nigga. That's the facts of it. And all you succeed in doing is getting in the way of that relationship and making enemies out of both sides. And before you know it, you got niggas from his set at your door. You see what I'm saying? That's that's actually a really terrible fact that I learned trying to stand up for like, you know what I'm saying? Trying to break the bro code and shit. You know what I'm saying? Like trying to be like, nah, bro, I can't tolerate this within the spectrum of men. You know what I mean? Well, then this is what the hell I got to deal with now. So that is a lot between the two people involved. It really, really is. It's a sad fucking reality. And I only know this because I tried to take up the mantle and stand on that fucking politic. You see what I'm saying? And yeah. so until she's done with this nigga, I'm sorry to say this, but until she's done with this old ratchet ass nigga, it's not nothing you got. There's nothing you can do. See what I'm saying? And I'm, it's just, it just is what it is. Yeah, well, I, think that, I hope you share this out on your network right now. Share this out. If you're not following us over on YouTube, go to CTN Media where we're changing the narrative and we're doing it with you. Make sure you keep super chatting us up like my girl Misha. We appreciate your support. Keep supporting independent black media, y'all. It's seven generations black. Jason, I'm going to go ahead to you, a woman's perspective. I see you're about to say something. Um, go ahead into that and just about so I want you to touch, touch on um, really believing black women and what that looks like and how do we control that narrative. Yeah. And I and I struggle with that because I think it's difficult for men to say sometime what I think we all can see, right? I agree wholeheartedly that there are so many spaces in which black women are not believed. And I think that goes for black people, right? Like we yeah. are followed around in the store. We are, you know, accused of, you know, you come up and this is my house. Is it your house? Let me see right. your I mean, there's just this space that exists, right? So again, like I think that it does come back into that space, into that place of um, what is being perpetuated as a narrative versus like what actually exists. Because, you know, the, and this is something that we can talk about, you know, at a later time when we really start digging into those spaces and places that we actually need to heal. Because I do believe that there is a lot of space where black women are not believed. I also believe that there is space where black women are, are fully believed and no one is in position or looking to change the situation. We know when something wrong has happened to our daughter. We know when something wrong has happened to our sister. And the question then turns to like, we're not ready to deal with that. We don't know yeah. what that looks like. We are all very familiar with the uncle who we know we are not to be leaving nobody with, but is still mm -hmm. invited to all the family dinners. So I think yeah. there is a space that we have to start working on again. Like a lot of this is just a healing that we have to do within our own communities because to our point that have been made throughout, you know, this whole thing, and how we think about what's going on, you know, generationally going forward is we're coming from 25 generations of trauma and there's there's so much to unpack there. So while we're looking through all of that and thinking about all those things, I think that from a black woman's perspective, we also have to acknowledge when black women are doing the bullshit and the fuckery like we just and I'm the first one to call black women out for that. I, you know, I don't. I don't like when black women try to accuse men of being deadbeats when the reality is you hurt sis and you just don't want your children to be around their dad. That's yeah. not okay. Yeah. Like, you know, we talk about what's going on with um 
you know, with when when black women are tearing each other down, stealing from each other, hurting each other, you know, calling each other out. I don't like when black women get together and try and bang up and 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 hit on black men and then call this in the name of feminism. Like none of that's okay. Yeah. Which is I always come from the paradigm that I'm black first, and that's just how it is. I love black women. I go out of my way. I have a whole staff full of black women. Like this is this is where we're at. So there, it, it it's no hit on that circumstance or or what that looks like. But also, like, are we going to acknowledge that there are multiple black men who recently have been a, who have been uh, 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 what is it found innocent because mm -hmm. DNA didn't match that they were uh, accused of um, rape? That they weren't that they actually never committed. I mean, are we yeah. gonna talk about you know the exonerated five? I mean, there's a whole bunch of spaces and places where we can and the exonerated five wasn't a black woman situation, but right. I'm just acknowledging this space where black like we're not gonna act like black women don't lie. We're not gonna act like black mm -hmm. women don't cheat or steal or do devious things. Cardi B, I don't know what she calls herself, but she was just talking about how she goes in and roofies men and yeah. steals yeah. from them. I mean, this these things are happening. So before we start saying just believe black women, how about black women start pulling their act together and then becoming a virtue to be believed? In Ooh. that same space, we do have to acknowledge how much of our pain goes unnoticed, how yeah. much of our pain is not acknowledged, how much of our pain is contributed to a variety of factors where we are not protected. I can't tell you how many black women I know who are being who have been forced to be in the in the room with their abusers. And they are not believed by their own family who yeah. have also been abused. And that just boggles my mind. Like there's no possible way. So like, do I just automatically say what you say is true? No. Do I do some actual investigation? Do I take away some of my biases and say, I need to be prepared to actually look at this situation and acknowledge that maybe my brother or my uncle or my father or my friend might actually be doing some shit that I need to protect my daughter or my sister or my mother or my auntie from? Absolutely. Chai, she had so many things. I think I need to have a part two just so we can dig into that because there is there's so much trauma, and I think there's so much um, internal trauma that happens in our families as well. There's so many things we haven't dealt with. Um, there's so much fuckery amongst Black women, and just talking about what you know how we represent ourselves. And like Shaka said earlier about saying the Black female versus the Black woman, and we're even acknowledging that space. I mean, there's so many things to unpack. So how do we get on code? What is the code to get on code to say, this is where we stand now. This is how we stand together. This is how we stand to build. Um, black women, black men get on code because there has to be a code for us to even build a community, for us to even move forward. How do we get on code? How do we build a code? Let me share a story. Um, here in Shop Talk in DC, we had a situation where we really didn't have it set up um, as far as we, we started doing the black women and black men together, right? It was, it was unisex, okay? Um, and we had a situation where an individual, uh, a European, came into barbershop, right? And he started talking about how he grew up around here and, you know, was just coming by to see and, you know, looking on what we were doing and blah, 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 take a trip down memory lane, whatever you want to call it, right? Um, so at one point in time, you know, brother was like, yo, it's time for you to get out. This ain't for you. It's for us. Leave our space. You know what I'm saying? And he was kind of hesitant. You know what I mean? And um, he turned to, you know, the sisters for support. You know what I mean? And a couple of the sisters supported him. 
not knowing, not understanding, you understand what I'm saying? That you don't know this guy. Yeah. You don't know what kind of threat he poses. You understand what I'm saying? And they came down hard on us as black men who were there trying to protect. You understand what I'm saying? Fast forward a couple of weeks later, we, we made some changes in the shop, right? So the black men had to be near the front of the door and we put the sisters near the back. You understand what I'm saying? Because if the situation happens again, it's gonna be a different outcome. You know what I mean? Um, and even though those sisters who were in there, you know, that night when we separated and changed the seating arrangement, they were there when that individual came in and infiltrated or tried to infiltrate, you understand what I'm saying? These sisters still didn't understand that they were among a group of men who all, with the exception of one, there's about 50 of us in there, the exception of one, every one of us either dating or married or dealing with in some way, shape, or fashion, black women, period, 100%. You understand what I'm saying? Thank you, Joe. You know what I'm saying? 100%. You understand what I'm saying? And, 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 and Joe was there. You know what I mean? So I'm glad he chimed in on the situation, right? But what happened was those sisters still refused to accept that they were amongst black men, mm. not black boys, not black males, not black dudes, not black guys. You understand what I'm saying? And it was hard to understand and comprehend why is it that these sisters are resisting the protection that we're trying to offer them? It's like we are literally sitting here, properly situated, if you understand what I'm saying, to put our lives on the line to ensure that you're able to go back home to your loved ones and your families and your children. You understand what I'm saying? And for me, I just don't understand that. That doesn't resonate with me. I don't, I don't, I don't get that. You know what I'm saying? You want us to protect you, right? I'm just using it as an example so we can yeah. further the conversation, right? You want us to protect you. And when we take up a stance of protecting you, of defending you, even risking the loss of our own lives, you're still giving grief. Perpetuating the cycle of lack of protection so, is what that looks like. I'm sorry, go ahead, Aso. So here, I, I, I put up a post earlier this week that says extreme independence Boom. is a trauma response. And we have to understand that again, it's important that we contextualize this conversation in that we are having this conversation with a talking about a group of people that have endured the worst injustices psychologically and physically on the planet. We are dealing with, as my sister, Dr. Joy DeGroy talk, talks about, post-traumatic slave syndrome. We, and until we get into a mass healing that black women should be leading, by the way, um, because they are the healers of society. They are the healers of nations. Until we get into that, then having these conversations is always going to be whack-a-mole. And so I'm very, I, I think, and Jice hit, hit upon this as well. Even if we take the instance with the entertainer, right? Both of those, and we're not talking about two healthy individuals that are sitting inside of a vehicle here. We're talking about two nutty ass mother suckers who just are like drama is bound to pop up. In fact, drama is their business. They're in the business of drama, right? And so it's just 
it is what it is. And that's not to excuse anybody's behavior to point fingers at anybody in that instance is to lay the bear is to lay the burden at the foot of the fact that we all have to be and take on a personal and communal healing. And until you do that, then even in even in this white man's uh, uh, law, right, you have to be brought before the law and asked, is this person capable of standing trial for the crimes that they have committed? If you a nutty motherfucker, excuse my language, and anybody would be, having lived in these circumstances for 400 years, like Theo just broke down about animals living inside of their environments, then it's very difficult, if not impossible, and definitely irresponsible to seek to hold people responsible as if they were free people who grew up with all the nurturing and love that they needed. And that's not to say that individuals don't need to be to check themselves and communities don't need to come in, but it needs to be coming in within context that listen, something fucked up happened to you that you didn't have nothing to do with and you yeah. need healing. Go sit your ass down. Here's some therapists. Here's some brothers. Here's some sisters. But this whole thing of pitting us each other against each other without contextualizing how this all started and, and the trauma, the heavy trauma. See, the, the, one of the problems is, is that because it's been 400 years, Negroes think they cute now and they think they free. That's the issue. They, they really think because they play football and Michael Jackson existed that we free and then we walking around comparing ourselves and our behavior to free people. And that's just whack because we're not. And then we don't. Never mind. Go ahead. I'm done. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's so it's so it's real, right? And even you know, like th there's two things I want to hit on because one is the extreme independences or trauma response, and yeah. then also this uh, guy three. I think it's a guy three M, and I'm I'm assuming it's a guy because he said they, but he said they do not want black men's protection. Let them fight their own fight, right? And I think yeah. that's part of the issue. Yeah. Is there is no different fight, black. People, until we're free, we don't have another fight. And yeah. I really think that that's like a, a, something that we have to understand is we think that there's a black woman's fight and a black man's fight, but it's not. It's a black people's fight because we are not on e equal playing ground yet. And um, and I and I, and one thing though that I will acknowledge with that extreme independence is a trauma response because I feel like Shay and I just recently had a conversation about yes. that in particular with black women because there is this space in which black women you know are looked at to be strong you just reference it yourself black women should be leading this thing right and that's a space that I disagree. I understand the fact that we're healers, but the reality of it is, is that black women have had have so much that are put on them, especially because black women are not kept women. We go out and we work the same 40 hours that black men work. We come home and we predominantly more. we come home, we're predominantly in charge of taking care of the household. And then we are looked to as being so strong. It's very rare that we are asked if we need any help. How can we help you? And if we do, and if we are asked for help, the help is kind of minimal to a certain extent of like, let me lift this heavy bag for you. Maybe I can put this box away for you. But the emotional labor that women are going through in terms of running a household, oftentimes women are the fastest growing entrepreneurial segment, black women. Yeah. 
fastest growing college. I mean, there's all these spaces where black women are going, going, going. And the one thing we're not doing is we're not taking care of ourselves. I am a huge, uh, what is it? Component. Uh, uh, I do this all the time. I just posted about needing help. Like, it's hard to say that I need help because I can't tell you how many people say, Jice, you're so strong. And that resonates every time I'm like, oh, I need some. OK, hold on. How am I going to figure this out by myself? Right. And then we realize and our and our girlfriends tell us we can't do it all on our own. We need to ask for help. But we don't really know where to go to ask for help. It, it's, it gets to be this, you know, this space where we get that we're strong and we should have strength. But we have to stop looking at. Uh, this independence as being strong. It's actually taking me a lot more strength for me to ask for the help that I need than it does for me to try and figure it out on my own. When I try to figure it out on my own, I'm actually causing myself stress. I'm over here having breakdowns and freakouts, and then I clean up my face and I stand up and I walk out like everything is good. And it's not yeah. good. I come home and I'm a whole hot ass mess. And my children are trying to figure out what's wrong with me. And I'm like, I don't know, guys, everything is just whatever. You know, so I think we have to really acknowledge that black women should not continuously be pushed towards this strong narrative, or we need to redefine what strength looks like. And shout out to for that support, brother. I apologize. Actual factual. Wait, I want to shout out actual factual for supporting independent black media. This is what community starts to look like, y'all. And it starts right here. Go ahead, H.O. I just wanted to, to acknowledge that Jice is cr correcting me around saying that black women need to lead, lead the healing movement. She's absolutely right in that. I'm, I was thinking of it in the sense of that it, when you teach a man, you teach an individual. When you teach a woman, you teach a nation. And however, again, I understand that needs to be contextualized to our own circumstances here where, yes, I, I do not want to overburden and say that black women should be the ones that lead the healing movement. I think it should be black men and black women together. I thank you for that correction. Well, 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 well back to what you said, H, black people came out of slavery together. Black people fought through penis debt slavery. Black people fought through Jim Crow and black people were together during civil rights. So neither the black man nor the black woman is where they are today without each other. Man, I think that's the key of why we do certain generations black. Returning back to black people, um, like I see a comment saying that black women have separated themselves from black men so long ago. And I think that, that can be said on so many different levels, how black people have separated ourselves from different parts of our subculture. Yeah, let me address this chat real fast, man. Yes. Look, look, 3M. Let me tell you something, bro. When it comes to your duty as a man, I don't care what they did. I don't care. Like you can talk about this feminism shit all you want, man. You talk about they did this and they did that and all this. They joined LGBT. I don't care. When a sister is in my presence and in my protection, I don't care. Like my family, look at my man Lethal shirt. That is your charge, homie. You ain't got no other charge but that. That's it. In the meantime, we are people who need to figure out how to heal with one another and understand what is keeping us from healing is the fact that we need to take the bird's eye view of this damn factory farmer on. Okay, let's take a bird's eye view of the factory farm and figure out how to get our own shit away from this factory farm. But at no point do we be like, oh, black women don't want my help, so you ain't gonna get it. That's crazy, bro. In fact, that's not manly. That's not man up. You don't That's man up a response. That is a trauma response. So whoever's out there saying that, I, I can't see the chats. Somebody needs to sit down and, hug him and let him cry on the shoulder and 
just released some of this tension and this misplaced anger he has towards women. And that's real, but I'm glad it's happening in the chat room because that's the reality of, the, of, of what black women keep trying to tell us is that there's Negroes out there that are perpetuating that type of language. And I'm not upset with that, brother. I understand that he is a victim of white supremacy, but don't change an external circumstance is not gonna change that. He's gotta change these six inches right here before he even begins to move inside of community in such a way where where he would even begin to to change the narrative that that he's holding right there. But I also want it understood. I also want this understood just real quick, right? Just as the black woman is a black man's responsibility, the black man is a black woman's responsibility, right? Because what is yeah. responsibility? Responsibility is your ability to respond. It's your ability to have a response to any given particular situation. And black men and black women together have the ability to respond to this current crisis situation that we are in. Yeah. To H's point, to H's point, right? Living here in this society, the way it is constructed is a crisis for us. And we have to be responsible for each other. I'm starting to get a little hot starting to get a little pissed. I'm starting to get into this mindset, you know what I'm saying? We're like, fuck that, you know what I mean? And the reason why is because, you know, when I came on, I said, this right here, I really live by it. You understand what I'm saying? Listen, I have I have six daughters, I have four granddaughters, I have five sisters, I have a multitude of aunts and my mother's best friends and things of that nature, and they're all women. I come from a cousins, females, I come from a family dominated by women. You understand what I'm saying? I think it's maybe like one or two dudes born <laughs> per woman per generation. Right. All women. You understand what I'm saying? And they've had trauma. They've been molested. They've been sexually assaulted. They've been abused. They've been fucking murdered. You understand what I'm saying to you? And I promise you, I promise you, you understand what I'm saying? This is a message for all of y'all. All of y'all. All you dudes. I'm not calling you a fucking man. I'm calling you dudes. You understand what I'm saying? I promise you. You won't get away with it on my watch. I promise you. I'm leaving it at that. I promise you. As we are getting to the thank you, thank you, thank you. Support independent black media. Conversations like these have to continue to happen. This is not a one part conversation. This is a conversation that can go on over and over. And this is why you have to keep tuning in every week because we're going to keep diving in and digging in. And one of the whole points of Seven Generations Black is giving you new perspectives. Unbox, unbox perspectives, but also to find some solutions. So you know what I hit you with. It's my mindset moment. It's time to have a mindset moment. When we think about this, we're talking about from a seven generational lens. How do we make sure that we are protecting our people seven generations out? As we think about protecting black women from a seven generational lens. Um, Shaka, give me, I, I, while you're in this moment, I just want you to think of what that looks like for your seven generational lens of protecting black women, what do you have to say to our community from the seven generational lens? So if I look from an internal perspective, cause we're talking about internal and external, right? Absolutely. I'm going back to my ancestors for that wisdom, right? So looking at it from an internal perspective right now, right? I'm gonna say this, <clears throat> African proverb, don't think there are no crocodiles just because the waters are calm. That's point one. Point two, in a moment of crisis, and we are in a crisis, black people, in a moment of crisis, the wise build bridges while the fools build dams. So we can keep playing this goddamn separation shit all day long, all we want to. You understand what I'm saying? At the end of the day, no matter what happens, 
If the black woman goes down, the black man goes down. If the black man goes down, the black woman goes down. And our black children go down. And we have no black generations coming forward. That's it. And that was a pass. I think I feel like Theo caught it. I seen his hands go up. That was a catch. <laughs> Theo from a seven generational lens. How can you tell our audience? Um, protecting black women, what does that mean from a seven generational lens? You're muted. I was like, is he about to sing? I don't know what was happening. It, 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 no, no. Okay. Um it, it means that from my job, like I, 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 I'm fortunate enough to be the father of a future black woman. Okay, she's in the room right now, and um, my job as a protector is to figure out how to get her away from the machine. I need her to live outside of the matrix. I need my generation, seven generations from now, to live in Zion and not as machine food. That's what we need to figure out. We need to figure out how to create and get our folks to Zion and def and defend and protect Zion's freedom. That's the best way that I can say it because um, it's just so real. The, to me, the realest thing that's been said is the fact that we are in an unnatural circumstance and we just can't judge ourselves on the same playing field as those who are free in this society. And it could be argued that in a society where you have this amount of corrupt corporatism, nobody's free, but we certainly know that on a racial front, this machine was set up for not us. And since that's the case, I have to figure out not how to duck this damn, I feel like a gopher underneath some lawnmowers and, my, and we're trying to figure out how to live by digging deeper holes. You gotta get out from underneath this fucking lawnmower, man. Like that's the most important thing. You have to figure out how to dismantle it, how to take the blades, how to break the damn machine, or how to figure out how to live in a field where it don't come. And outside of that, there is no conversation. And I'm gonna need black women to help me figure that out. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because they are geniuses. The most competent, the most intelligent, beautiful people, the, the hardest working people, I'm talking about people I know are black women again and again. I'm not saying this because I'm on some Love Jones snap it up poetry shit. I'm telling you, I'm in a fucking clinch. Who do I know that could actually have the know-how to get me out of that? It's, it's basically black women. You see what I'm saying? So I know I can't figure this out on my own, but I just want to direct the conversation there, getting outside of the factory farm where we can live free. Ooh, let's get free, y'all. My girl, Jace Johnson, hold it down for the ladies on the panel. From a seven generational lens, protecting black women, what do you want to leave with our audience? I think that it takes um, black men and black women to work together. And if we're going to talk about a seven generational lens, then we need to start working on where our children are. Um, I do want to point out before I finish my point that we might need to have a, 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 a um, part two because there are so many questions that are asked in the chat from um, you know, the man's ego to accountability to do women accept help, um, the device, the divide between black women and black women. You know, I mean, there's a lot that's going on in the chat. If you guys are not tuned in, we're on both Facebook and on YouTube. And um, the, the chat is, there's a lot going on in there. But I will say that um, 
I think it has to start with our next generation. And I think there are a lot of really good questions that we need to ask in this space of healing. Yeah. So, you know, for me, uh, you know, I teach my children affirmations. And this is actually one that um, Soul corrected me on. I was teaching my son the affirmation to say, I'm a protector. And I was teaching my daughter the affirmation that says, I am protected. And he said, but doesn't that apply both ways? And so I now teach both of them the same two affirmations. I am a protector and I am protected. And they are learning that at three and four years old, that you have an obligation to protect and you also are obligated or you are entitled to protection. And um, I think that if we're going to talk about what it looks like seven generations, we know we have 25 generations of um, a lack of protection. Yeah. So we're going to start with this one. Woo, this is why we have this panel right here. This is what it's about. We're shifting each other's mindset. It's real new perspectives. And so you started, it off, started us off so strong with a very strong per, pers, uh, perspective on how we can even have this conversation when we talk about protecting black women. How do you leave this for the people in the seven generational lens? I would just leave people with some love work um, or homework as we call it, which is to go get and read Dr. Joyce DeGruy's book, post-traumatic slave syndrome. And I think it's important to, if, if you don't understand the history of black people in this country, then everything else will just confuse you, including our relationships, including our relationships to money, including our relationships to violence, including our relationships to sex, and including our relationships to each other. And until we understand what has happened to us, like Lethal said, go back, Sankofa, until we go back and understand what has happened to us and then heal that, then moving forward, we're always going to be like a one-eyed, you know, we're going to be half blind at best. We're going to be half blind. And so I would just really encourage people to go get that book, to read that sister's work for us to begin to articulate um, our... and for us to be to be able to deal with each other with a certain level of grace that I think is absent now, right? That's why I could see people like the brother in the chat room who's saying those things. And for me, he's screaming trauma. Like I could just, mm. right? like I've been in those circles and me as black men, if we're honest, we know that we've heard black men talk just like that, right? And we know that it's coming from a space of trauma. And so I'm not angry or upset with him because I understand that that's coming from trauma, but it also underscores the need to heal because hurt people also hurt people and black people can ill afford to be out there hurting any more than we already are hurting. So we got to, we got to, we got to patch up the, the past hurt and, and provide some uh, honorable protection in the present so that black people can move forward into their future. Man, like you said, there's definitely going to be a part two. I'm seeing these questions come in, this conversation. Um, as we're building what this new community of Black people look like, I think this conversation is necessary. So just look forward to part two. And this is why you tune in. Ladies out there, I'm going to tell you this. As you are being Superwoman, just remember Superwoman deserves to take her cape off. And also you deserve love without pain first. Please remember that as you take a seat at the table, and if there isn't one, bring your folding chair because you are worthy of all that and more. And I always believe that humanity really began in the womb of an African-American woman through musical, performing arts, and visual arts, and all those beautiful things. Remember, we're the root of all things 
beautiful and perfect. And until next time, keep hustling for your seven generations black. You can meet us back here on next Tuesday, 4 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. And it's for it's for the seven generations black. Keep hustling for your last name and for your generations. We love y'all. Peace and love. Until next time, seven generations black. Keep changing the narrative. CTN Media.